Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. Bad Philosophy, episode 108, recorded on November 10th, 2011. The Ultimate Egotist. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy, episode 108. Recently, I recorded a video that takes me in a little bit of a new direction on my YouTube channel. I started out by discussing this, and, uh, well, we really didn't have a proper introduction to the show, so we're just going to roll right into it, starting now. And so I needed to create this video to break away from that. But there's a difference between, and I'm going to assume we're in the episode now, so you're going to have to put all this crap in. Sure, sure. Um, there's a difference between, though, I mean, I, I can understand what you're saying about feeling boxed in. Mm-hmm. I, I can get that, because that's all that you did for a while. Right. Uh, plus this, but nobody listens to this, so it doesn't really matter. But there's a difference between being limited by that and then cutting it off, like an unwanted limb, and... Because what you're doing is not expanding, it's changing. And that's what you've said. Yeah. You've said that. And that's okay. If anything, I'm, I'm contracting. Yes. But with that, that's going to piss people off. Um, there's, there's no way around it. Yeah. Um, whether or not you care is up to you. I really don't. <laughs> and that's fine. But yeah. with that in mind, you... I think are forcing it on people. Yeah. It's my goddamn channel. It is. It is. No, no. That, and, and what, I'm, this but isn't this a moral is issue. Like, this isn't a you yeah, can't do I mean, that. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain what um, what I see happening. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm going to compare you to someone who I haven't actually interacted with or listened to his stuff even for a while, but that's uh, Kevin Smith. Okay. And, and Kevin I, Smith right with that has drastically changed what he's done in the past four years. Uh-huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, because I think Smodcast is about four years old. Maybe it's five years old. I haven't listened to it in a while. I haven't been keeping track. Yeah. Um, but four to five years ago, Stephen, Kevin Smith, I was going to say Stephen King. Stephen um, Smith. I've been reading Stephen King books Kevin recently. Kevin Torrance. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith... Um, started a podcast as a fun thing. And over time, that became the thing he does. Mm -hmm. Um, He's actually announced he's going to direct one more film, and then he's done. Okay. Um, Or write and direct one more film, and then he's done. um, It's actually a film, it's a hockey movie, based Mm. on the song um, Hit Somebody by Warren Zevin. Oh, that's right, you've told me about this, yeah. Looks good. Mm -hmm. uh, He's posted a couple script pages that seems interesting. I really enjoyed Red State. It came on the Netflix. Oh, yeah. I need to see that. Um, yeah. Definitely a worthwhile film. Okay. Um, despite what everybody else has said, it's pretty much what I expected, um, but it's a well-made film and enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and, and good at what it does. Right. But, um, but, he, but that wasn't something that he just stopped one day and said, okay, I'm done making movies. I'm going to do this podcasting thing full-time, which yeah. he did, in fact, do. Um, he's, got a, he's got a 24-hour radio station on the Internet now. Oh, nice. Uh, he, he's not on it 24 hours a day, but because he built up four years' worth of backlog of Smodcast and eventually other programs, um, he, he created, first he created the Smod, Smodcast, then he created the network with about five different podcasts on it, and that expanded to more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got such a backlog of stuff that he can literally stream stuff 24-7 and, and have a, almost a month's worth of stuff recorded without having to do anything live. But he also right. does a four-hour live show every day mm-hmm. called Smorning. He really likes the SM contraction. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever. Quality's not Part the matter. Of his name, yeah. Well, it was originally Smith and Mosier. That's how Smodcast came, from, came uh, about. Yeah. But it just sort of just, it, it's all now part of the Smodcast Internet Radio, or SIR. I was around when the big change happened. Listened to it for a while, and my life got busy, and I don't have time to listen to the radio anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't even listen to podcasts as much as I'd like. Hmm. But... Um, it was a thing that it was he managed to keep the majority of his audience that entire time switching Mm -hmm. from one medium to another medium through doing it gradually through doing it in a way that was organic what you're doing is very inorganic 
Yeah, but I've also been I've also had literally nothing new posted to my channel for about a year. So that doesn't make it in or that doesn't make it a natural progression. <sighs> I mean, I I feel like the people who are who are going to be Every, everyone who, who would have, you know, gotten into my videos at, at the beginning has seen them by now. And I mean, if you look at my statistics, it's gone way, way, way down. Like, the, the viewership uh, rate. And I, I really wanted to kind of give it that amount of time, that, that sort of cooling off period, before trying something new. Because I did want to try to build the audience back up from, you know, and make it not a sharp transition during the point at which I was doing just the ASL videos. Because, I mean, I knew that, that exactly, if I did something like this a year ago, there would be an extreme backlash, because there, there would have been a lot more people paying attention and a lot more people to be disappointed. But at this point, it's, you know, it's really just, it's, it's a few people left, you know, like we saw there, a few hundred views in the first day, and, and that's it. And I'm alright with, with a small core audience that's behind me, rather than a large, diverse audience that hates me. <laughs> well, I'm curious as to why you've decided to stick with this channel where you have that specific viewership instead of starting over with something new. Oh, good question. Uh, I mean, creating a new identity is extremely difficult. And, I'm, and I mean, the, the Captain Valor identity is still my identity online. And, and I would like to keep that identity and, and own that. Um, as as the primary place that I, I distribute my content from, um, because you know, as I say in the video, it wasn't always ASL songs. I mean, I, it was just the channel where I put up my videos. You know, my my random Halo videos and my random you know BBC video game documentary thing. I mean, that was it's it's my place. It's like my Twitter account or my. It, it's like you, it, it would be the equivalent of me creating a new Twitter account. Like, because my previous Twitter account has just gotten, you know, overrun or, or I don't want to use it anymore. Well, and see, this is one of the things that if, if you've been around YouTube for a while, that whole idea of creating separate channels for different content, that's, that's sort of a normal thing now. Oh, really? And so it's interesting because um, a great example of this, there's a guy, his name is Corey Williams, and his main channel is called SMP Films. And he actually started out back on MySpace, way back in the day, um, doing video and doing parody songs and things. And then once YouTube sort of started growing, he went there. And he had a, he had a moderate following for a while, and then he had a big viral hit. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Mean Kitty Song. Uh, I've and, not seen it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah, well, this was several yeah. years ago when, when this happened. And... Um, he had the Mean Kitty video, and it was very unlike anything else that he did. And so his stuff is usually very off the wall, very in your face. And then he made this video about his cat. <laughs> and he sang, and he danced around, and it was really cute and family-friendly. And so a lot of people, that was the only video they had seen of his. And they're like, oh, this is really cute. I'm going to subscribe. And, you know, sort of overnight, he had this completely different fan base on his main channel where he had been posting all this other content. And so, you know, for a while, he's like, well, I really want to appease these viewers. I want to give them stuff that they like that's similar to the Mean Kitty. And so he started posting a lot of stuff that he didn't want to do, kind of like when you were posting a whole bunch of ASL videos and you're like, I don't really want to post this content, right, but right. I'm just going to keep doing it for now. And he did that for a while and he got really, really unhappy. It wasn't the stuff that he wanted to make. And so all of a sudden, he was just like, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm, I don't want to make Mean Kitty videos anymore. I don't want to make all this family-friendly stuff. I want to be able to say bleep, 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 bleep all the time and make all these crazy things. And he did, and he got a lot of backlash. And so one of the things he did to kind of appease everybody was he made a separate channel just for his Mean Kitty videos. Mm. And he said, hey, everybody. I'll tell you what, I'll keep making these every once in a while because you like them, but I'm not going to put them in here anymore because this is my place for my stuff. So if you want this other content, go to this channel. And it took off. It, it's, it still does really well. Every once in a while he posts stuff. And then he uses his S&P Films channel for his personal space, for his content. Hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I was kind of curious why you didn't separate 
that content or create something new. You know, honestly, it's it's you know a matter of, of having never done this before. I mean, really, really, that's what it comes down to. I mean, <laughs> um, I I think that's a great idea, JC, and and you know, I would I would reach out to you. So it's like. Um, I guess since we're in the midst of the show, I'll kind of do the introduction five or ten minutes in. But um, <laughs> JC Hood joins us from uh, from Lubbock, Texas, and and JC, you're I guess the closest thing we have to a YouTube expert here in the, in the channel because you've because <laughs> um, you've been on YouTube for a while. You have a few different channels too, don't you, JC? I do yeah. actually. Um, I'm I'm kind of of the mindset of different channels for different content. Okay. Uh, just to kind of appease people and. Even, I mean, everybody from small to big channels does this now. But anyway, yeah, as far as YouTube goes, I mean, it, it officially did its final beta launch, whatever, in December of 2005. I joined in January of 2006. And so wow. I've basically been with YouTube from the beginning and have been a part of the community from the beginning. So... As far as being able to follow the history of it, changes, trends, community, all that kind of stuff, I've I've been there, done that. Okay. Well, so I want to. I mean, really, the the overall topic of the show then, and I, and I want to kind of. Uh, oh yeah, Kevin I'm just checking just, my date, June yeah. twenty three, two thousand six. So yeah. I think I was sometime in two thousand six. Uh, yeah, but JC's got a a full year on us. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I also haven't posted anything in the last. Now, the last thing I posted was Man in a Dress, and that was yeah. 11 months ago. So I, one of the things I, I kind of wanted to talk about on this show was was just that, that idea of, of community and, and evolution and sort of um, folk anthropology <laughs> on, on YouTube. Because um, I, I don't know if, JC, if you're uh, familiar with the videos of uh, Mike Wesh. No? He's a, um, a cultural anthropologist uh, somewhere in America at some university. And, and he is actually, for running for a good three, four years, has done um, yearly or actually semesterly case studies as a part of a class um, on the ethnography of YouTube and kind mm-hmm. of a- approaching the YouTube environment and the YouTube community as uh, from an anthropological standpoint. You know, what... what um, what sort of human act- interactions do we see that are unique to YouTube? Um, what sort of effects do these interactions have on the participants? Um, what are the what are the practices themselves? And um, they have a, a kind of an interesting approach, which is um, participatory observation, where in in order in the process of doing this study, they actually participate within the community that they're studying. Um, so they each of the students in the class will have a vlog for the duration of the semester. Um, Mike Wesh has a channel, I think it's M Wesh, uh, M-W-E-S-C-H, and, uh, where he's posted a few videos of, of his lectures and then videos that his students uh, have composed. And they are quite fascinating just from a kind of a scientific perspective of, of looking, at, looking at YouTube as a cultural evolution. And, and that's kind of something that I, I touched on a little bit in the video, is, is after watching... Mike Wesh's video and after watching this, this other video that, that was linked to from Boing Boing on just the evolution of culture in general and, and of technology, it got me thinking about, well, wow, I mean, is my first impression of YouTube was not as a community, but more as a performance medium. You know, my, my first encounter with it was as really just a, way, a place to put up videos to share with my friends. You know, it was, it was an easy upload site. Um, and then it was a place to just put up videos to share, period. Um, and I remember, like, in the first year of of having sign language videos up on YouTube, I had a very small audience. I mean, we're talking three, four hundred views, uh, per, per video, you know, maybe going up to about a thousand views per video once, once I did the Jonathan Colden performance. But it was a very, it was a very tight, uh, group of people with very direct feedback where I could... I could filter it very easily. I could even go through and read every single comment on the videos. But as soon as I went viral, it became a very different kind of medium for me. It, it became much more of a of a monologue, you know, where I was I was putting up performance videos, and it was just me putting out content and sort of letting this stream of feedback wash over me, and occasionally being able to pull out individual um, pieces of feedback. Um, but with just far too much coming out 
me for me to process it all. And I really did not like that transformation. You know, I didn't, I did not appreciate. Um, you know, it, it almost made me feel isolated from the community rather than um, a part of it again. Um, so really, what I, what I guess I'm trying to do is, is, is get back into that, that you know, small audience feel and get, get back in, and have community interaction. Now, you know, I, I know that there are um, YouTubers that have managed to find a balance between those, um, you know, have large communities but still to have an interaction. And I don't know if you can speak to that specifically, JC. Oh, quite so. Okay. Quite so. Um, several years ago, um, Kevin Nalty uh, wrote a book called Beyond Viral. Mm-hmm. And that was around that time was when a lot of the big name YouTubers started really making a push for building communities around their channels. Hmm. And so you have people like Philip DeFranco who has the SXC Phil channel and he does his, he does his vlogs and then he does his news channel. They, everybody has their own names. So for him, his community is called the nation or the common sense nation. Um, you've got Olga K who got big because of Philip DeFranco and she calls her people mooshers. Hmm. Cause she has a phrase uh, that she says called moosh and her cat is named Mushka. She's Russian. And uh, another a really big one a lot of people know is from the Vlog Brothers. Yeah. And they, they call it Nerdfighteria. And this is probably one of the biggest and really most active communities you're going to find on YouTube is Nerdfighteria. Just because not only you know do they interact within the Vlog Brothers channel, but outside of it as well, they do philanthropic work you know they raise money for the harry potter alliance you know they raise money for all sorts of charity they started project for awesome that they do every year and you know raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for charity you know they do they do a lot of stuff not just within their channel talking they actually go out and do things okay Um, and so it's 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 really interesting to see how it's grown from little channels with people talking and collaborating to these huge communities you see built around channels now. And so it's interesting for me to hear you say you want like a small interactive community when there's really great examples of really large communities as well that are still very interactive. Yeah. I mean, but for a lot of those large channels, it it becomes a full-time job, right? For yes. for the person. Yes. Most of those people yeah. that have large that. channels yeah. like that, yeah. well, all of the people, all of the people that have large channels like that, it is a full-time job for them. They are being paid through YouTube, they're being paid through outside sponsorships and merchandising. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is a full-time job for them. Um, there's also been a trend of a lot of people becoming part-time YouTubers. Because they are making enough money to just hold down part-time jobs and then do, of course, part-time YouTube. Right. So, I don't know. There's there's a pretty big variety in, in sizes nowadays. And so, what is, what is so? Let's say <laughs> you're you're like the YouTube consultant, right? In this in this scenario, <laughs> um, much as as Ashton Kutcher now has uh, Twitter consultants running his his Twitter account after a little bit of a gap. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Yes, I yeah. did. Um, but okay, I mean, it's it. Let's let's go super contemporary then. Like, what what do you think of that whole uh, that whole scenario, right? Of of so you build up a huge following, right? Um, you've mm-hmm. got Ashton Kutcher has what like eight million subscribers on yeah, Twitter, something like that. And then you that's so like that's a brand you've built, and you just hand that over to a management company to run that for you, right? What? Yeah, but you know why he did it, don't you? Well, yeah, because he he's ran his mouth off or stuck his foot because in his mouth. Because he runs or helped form an organization to end child abuse. Yeah. And he just out, he just yelled at Penn State for getting rid of a guy who got rid of child abuse. It's not that he made a social gaffe, because yeah. he didn't have the information. It's that he did something that was literally against that image that he's created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. Yeah. He, he, he broke his own image. And in a, in a world where we can't do that, um, he's already received, he and Demi Moore have already received a fair bit of criticism for what they're doing and for their organization hmm. for various reasons that I don't really care about. But um, doing this is, is literally another knife in what he's trying to do. 
Yeah. And so he's realized that he needs that buffer mm-hmm. <laughs> because... Because he has created this image. Right. The reason that he's bringing somebody in to take care of his Twitter feed is because without it, he won't have that brand anymore. <laughs> but he's created sort of a sort of a worst-case scenario for himself there. Yes. I mean, I, I would hope that I'm very far away from that. <laughs> um, and... My my intention is is not specifically to alienate my audience. I mean, I I, I realize that either way you're doing a good job of it. And <laughs> I I just want to kind of get it down to doing something that I can I can manage and that I can do with with freedom again. You know, because I I feel and and you know the constraining part of it is is a very big factor. Um, you know. I was thinking, JC, after you explained, um, was this Corey Williams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that decided to split his channels. Um, that that may be something that I'll have to do, um, just so that traffic gets routed away from you know where where I'm producing one type of content and into somewhere else. But to do so would mean resetting the view counts on all of my most popular videos, right? Or no, it would mean starting your new videos somewhere else. Well, that's not what Corey did. Like he, you said he moved his. No, you don't. You don't move the content. Hmm. The content stays there. And you just um, rename the channel. <laughs> well, what he did was his his the, his first really big video, the big viral one, was called the Mean Kitty Song. Right. And so everybody kind of knew his cat named Sparta as the Mean Kitty. Mm-hmm. And so people wanted all these videos of him and his cat. So he just made new ones on a new channel. Yes, okay. he started a new channel called The Mean Kitty. And basically, anytime he made a cat video, it went on that channel instead of on SMP Films. But his but his viral video stayed on his original channel. Yes, and, it stayed on his original yeah. channel. He ended up a couple years later, once YouTube released HD, he re-released it in HD hmm. um, and stuff. So... Yeah, and I, I, I kind of it's it's kind of odd then that that YouTube doesn't allow you to move content from channel to channel, but you know ownership and everything is is pretty important to them, I'm sure. So that's they've made mm-hmm. they've made that decision for a reason. Um, but I still, you know, at this point though, I'm basically done with that particular creative um, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I may I may simply. Just create a new channel for for whatever else I'm doing, but at the very least, this video that I'm putting on there points to the fact that I'm shifting directions and does it somewhere where people are going to come and find it. And you know, really, I I mean, I just wanted to get back on YouTube <laughs> doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and and well, I, I felt I felt like I couldn't get back on YouTube easily without having to address the the fact that I had this huge audience first. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing. There's in the past, I guess, couple months, I've really seen a lot of people who who've been on YouTube for a long time complaining mm-hmm. about where the direction of YouTube has gone because they just announced um which I mean a lot of people that are in YouTube have known this for a while, but YouTube is mm-hmm. launching a bunch of channels now big commercial content kind of channels. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so, Justin Bieber and Shaq and yeah, yeah, so I mean there's going to be a lot of content coming from YouTubers but also from companies and mm. a lot of people are very upset by this that have been around and have been very much of the small community mindset because it was really revolutionary to a lot of people when vlogs started. I mean, just sitting down in front of your MacBook and making a five-minute video ranting about your day, and then, you know, ten minutes later, five friends that you've never met in person in your life, but you've been, you know, talking to them on YouTube for months, they write, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry you had a bad day, I had a bad day too, mm-hmm. I'm glad that our bad days both suck together. And, right, it, you know, and, and, and that's that's one of the things that Mike we- Mike Wesh talks about in his video is just it's a way for for people to connect with others and get through the day mm-hmm. as a result. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean, a lot of people started these little communities of friends that met, and then they started having gatherings, and um, it was just it was really interesting 
to see these communities grow through the new medium of being able to share online video in, Mm -hmm. you know, one collective place. And so to see a lot of people pushing for commercial content, to see a lot of people really emphasizing the monetization of videos, really pushing, you know, just content creation, go, 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 and Mm -hmm. losing a lot of the personality of it. There's just these people that have been around forever and, and they don't like it. And so it's, it's, a lot of people have been that are smaller that have been around for a long time are really starting to try and push for people to create content that they enjoy making as opposed to content that other people are going to enjoy more. And, you know, don't focus on the consumer. Don't focus on your viewership. You know, focus on making stuff that you enjoy and you're going to have a good dialogue with your good friends on YouTube. Right. That I, I very much resonate with that. Now, I mean, are there any folks leaving YouTube for for other services like Vimeo or Daily Motion as a result of this? No, no, no. <laughs> because YouTube services haven't gone away. Yeah, oh, the situation yeah. is such that those videos still exist, and the and the the and and I'm not a part of the YouTube community, and so I've I've. Stuck my toe in on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you may remember the Kevin reviews something every day videos. Um, I've posted some of my art, my, yeah, how many my days plays, did that, and stuff. Did that last uh, at least a few months, actually. I made it. I made it a month yeah. or two into it, yeah. um, which was fairly impressive. I did something like sixty videos in sixty days. I remember the review of Coca Cola. It was uh, it was Coke Zero. That's Coke actually Zero. my favorite video that I've ever done. Right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, with that in mind, so I've, I'm not. I'm I'm an outside observer of the YouTube community. I have observed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've got a friend who is actually fairly big in the uh, HP Alliance, Harry Potter Alliance, um, mm-hmm. and I've I followed a couple nerd fighters for a while just because I was interested in it. Right. Um, I, I was never I never really tried to get into it in that sort of way. But those things haven't gone away and they're not going to go away for these new things and and I, I say all that prefacing because I think that the people who are complaining about these new commercialization things are being a bit whiny okay um, <laughs> b- because because those old services haven't gone away their their communities aren't going to disappear overnight right um, YouTube is still going to do the things that it did it's going to be provide a great way to quickly and easily upload videos from the internet to the internet to share with people Mm-hmm. Um, because that's such a massive platform for them. Their advertising revenue has got to be insane. That's why Google bought them. Excuse me. Oh, and it is. I, I know, mean, I know it, it is. It's, it's <laughs> extremely profitable, and it's going to be even more so. And, after and they're the increasing their profits, in, and yeah. that's okay. But I never have to go to the Justin Bieber page in my life. No. I haven't this far, and he's been on YouTube for a while now. Mm-hmm. They're changing the way some of it looks, but until those things go away, and I don't think they're going to go away, YouTube is not going to become Hulu. Right. Um, for fairly obvious reasons. Well, um, I, and, and, you know, I, I get that, that, you know, you can still be small on YouTube and still have a community and still have just a limited amount of engagement. And I think that's cool. And the fact that you can be either viral or. Um, have just a couple of dozen folks watching you is the power of the medium. I mean, that's the power of the internet itself, really. Yes. I think, is, is you can you can have micro communities, but you can also have macro communities as well. And I guess I've now that I've tasted both, <laughs> I prefer the micro community just a little bit more because I think as human beings, we're not really built to process like true, deep, widespread fame. The way that it happens, like we just we really can't we we can't really wrap ourselves around our heads around large numbers at all to begin with. Um, there was a like JC, I know you y'all have at the uh, the science spectrum there this this picture that's just one million and it's mm-hmm. it's one million tiny little like one millimeter squares in a, in a massive s- s- grid s- grid of squares and and you look at that and it's just like this is. Wow, like that is one million right there. And then you think of, of all the millions and then, you know, billions of total videos on YouTube and it just, you know, your mind just explodes. And it's like, and I have, I have almost two million views on the Miley Cyrus video. I have almost three million total views for the channel. And, and that just absolutely boggles my mind still to think of, think of how many people 
have, have seen me, you know. <laughs> uh, and and I, I really, there's a point, actually, total upload views are closer to 5 million. Yeah, you've wow. got, I, I thought you had more than 2 million uploads. Yeah, that's, million. I, I haven't checked it recently, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that just, it's too much for me. And, and, you know, maybe some people can can get used to it. Maybe some people can fathom it. Maybe some people speaking, feel... Speaking of someone on the other end of the spectrum... <laughs> I wouldn't mind five million channel views. You don't know. You don't know until you get there. And I didn't. I mean, I I, I reluctantly created the Facebook page because I was like, well, I mean, I need a way to connect with this fan base somehow. So I was like, well, I guess I'll create a fame Facebook page, and and that still only recently passed ten thousand um, yeah. subscriptions okay. on but Facebook. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way, Stephen, in, in the fact that uh, I'm a playwright, which is a dying medium to begin with. <laughs> Um, it is, yeah. and and I, it will never die, but it's been dying for about 100 years now. Since mm-hmm. the invention of film, theater has been dying um, in one way or the other. And that's okay. Um, I, think it's, I think we've had some fantastic theater that's come out in the last 100 years because of these things, because of these forced changes and these, and these people trying to adapt to technology and what have you. Right. Um, but I write plays. Most of what I write does not translate translate well to YouTube, right? As you can see by the stuff I've put on YouTube, <laughs> um, and and that's okay. But even if I become an incredibly successful person, an incredibly successful playwright, in my mind, I will never have five million people see something that I created. Mm-hmm. I won't. Um, I mean, Neil Simon has five million people who've seen his stuff. And, and Arthur Miller has had five million people who've seen his stuff. I went and saw a performance last night, um, Joe Mama Jones. I recommend it. Um, it's, it was, is it, uh, well, is it it's a drag queen. She's, Perry, she's a drag queen. Tyler Perry um, presents Tyler Perry's Joe Mama Jones. No, there's okay. no Tyler Perry involved. Okay. Um, <laughs> sounds he's like not something very popular. He would do. Yeah. No, Joe Mama Jones is, is a drag queen, drag performer. Mm-hmm. Um, she's fantastic. I actually want to buy some of her albums now that I've seen her perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also uh, did an interview at the performance I was at. Beside the point, though. But she is an incredibly well-known drag queen. But that means that a few thousand people have seen her. Right. She played in New York for a while. I mean, lots of people saw her there, obviously. Um, but, you know, a, a headlining Broadway show seats a thousand people a night for three months. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I mean that's, that's less exposure than, than my videos had before going viral. I mean, that, and that, that's <laughs> really, that really does put it in perspective. I mean, if you think about it, all the works of Shakespeare probably never got... Well, really, as originally performed. As originally performed, probably never got... More than I mean, a few I, I don't think views. the globe. How many people is the globe seat? Several hundred, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's and really so. Yes, I mean, quantity-wise, we are just killing it right now as a species in, in the amount of exposure we can get. But, but I don't think it's it's. And so I got this feeling, and I'm sure you've gotten this feeling too, JC. That that it's it's a different proportion, right? Like there's something different from a person watching a YouTube video. Versus, like, going to a play and watching it. Like, there's a different sort of... 3,000 people. There's a different sort of value in the participation that you're performing in right there. Um, I mean, am I I right? Am I on the right track with this? It's it's very different. Um, Yeah. Coming from both a performer standpoint and from an audience standpoint. Because, I mean, of course, live theater, it's so... Like, there's immediate feedback. Whereas, yeah. you know, with YouTube video, yeah, there, there, it's not immediate feedback. You get feedback slowly trickling in through the months and years as comments come in. But on the other hand, it's interesting being able to, to share it with more people. Um, a great example of that is a group called Star Kid that they they made a very Potter musical. I'm You've aware of this. this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they made this show with the intent of just performing it there in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then they film it and they're like, oh, we could put it on YouTube. They put it on YouTube and become a viral sensation. And then they have all this money to create more life theater, which they then film and put online. And and now they're on tour right now. And one of their stars, Darren Chris, is on the television show Glee. I, mean, I did not know of, Darren Chris was in Potter Musical. Wow. He plays Harry Potter. Eh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know who Darren Chris is because I watch Glee. 
Yeah. Speaking of Glee, remember when it was good back in season one? I missed that show. <laughs> wow, you're such a hipster. No, no. It's I rewatched a couple episodes of the first season, and it's good. Yeah. It holds up. But it's not good anymore. <laughs> I well, want it to be good. I still watch it, but it's not what, the same show. You know show. what, though? What? Now that they have a team of writers as opposed to just having Ian Brennan write everything on his own. There were three writers better. originally. Yes, but if you look, And they never though, met each other. I can tell because the show didn't fit. <laughs> if you if you look if you look at the lead writer credit on a lot of them, um as the season progressed, Ian Brennan. It would just say written by Ian Brennan. Mm-hmm. Well, they would um, they would split the season. I mean, they would they would in, in the first two seasons, they would each have a certain number of episodes. Yeah, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk and, would do a few, but honestly, I felt like Ian Brennan did a majority of them. I don't know. Them. We can pull up Wikipedia and test this theory. I'm slowly fading out of this conversation. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. You look season oh, one, crap. Ryan Murphy, Ryan Mur- one, two. Uh, those are directed by. Um, uh, the first season, it's a pretty even split. It's almost one, two, three, one, two, three down the row. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I released and the Miley Cyrus too. video about the time that Glee started. That's kind of weird. I, I'm pretty sure there was a correlation. Um, I mean, the yeah. first two were written by all three of them. The first two were really good. But actually, the first two seasons, they're pretty evenly split. Um, looking at YouTube. Uh, not YouTube. Wikipedia. Sorry, <laughs> it's one of those things we've been talking about. YouTube. YouTube that thing we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. But no, my my opinion, and it really shown in season two. There was definitely some of it in season one, but season two of Glee, it felt like the three writers were writing three completely different shows and had never met each other. Hmm. Um, and something I I would hope would be fixed with this new ad addition of the writers' room and sort of splitting the stuff in a larger way. And I think it almost did it. But it did it at a much lower level of quality of Glee than the high points that season one could have ha- that were achieved. I think the big thing that a lot of people are are missing is that all the stuff that they did in season one of Glee, it was all about constantly topping itself. Like, what can we do that is more shocking? What is the next random pairing that we can come up with? And so it was always constantly topping itself. And you can only keep topping yourself so much before it just gets ridiculous or redundant. See, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there, just because I feel the first season of Glee, um, particularly the first th- 13 episodes, had Glee ended at 13 episodes, I would hold it up as one of the greatest TV shows of the last 10 years. Hmm. Um, but the first season of Glee as a whole, I felt told a very complete arc. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that the other seasons have been trying to get to and failing miserably. But it was, there's, you know, we go back to Well-Made Play and Dr. Burt. You took Dr. Burt's class, didn't you, JC? I think we took it at the same time. We did, we did. Um, but, you know, the, the introduction, the rising action, the climax, the falling action, those fit the season. And again, the 13 episodes actually fit that even a little bit better, the first 13, um, in an incredible way that second season just floundered away in my not-so-very-humble opinion. Hmm. Um, Although the uh, the Sue Sylvester shuffle, the middle episode of, of season two, was the highest rated Glee episode of all time. That was the one after almost, the Super Bowl? By almost twice. That yeah. was the one immediately after the Super Bowl? Yeah. They did that terrible mashup of... Um, Heads Will Roll and Thriller? Yes. Oh yeah. my god, that was bad. <laughs> um, so as we can see, the number of people watching a show does not dictate how good it is. <laughs> I will say that I think one of the best dialogue written shows of that was the Madonna episode. Hmm. The Power of Madonna? Yeah, that was a good yeah. one. I didn't love the music. I, but... I sat down and transcribed almost the entire episode. Why? <laughs> because I wanted to I wanted to look at the words. I wanted to be able to see them and look at the dialogue and how it was written. And hmm. so I it's just it's really interesting. It sounds like I mean it's just like a constantly sassy gay man talking. Yeah. Well it was written <laughs> like, by Ryan Murphy. Yeah. But it, um it, Wow. <laughs> Apparently I need to watch the first season of Glee. No, you do. I, I really I've think you do. Second season um, after. I, yeah. I, I I really think you should watch it. I don't know that you'll love it, mm-hmm. but it is a quality piece of television in a way that I miss sometimes. Um, and and I, I have trouble giving up shows. I still watch How I Met Your Mother, 
um, which has been on for seven years now. This is its seventh season. He and still hasn't of, met the mother. That's not the point. But um, no, really, really, I don't care if he ever meets the mother anymore. Um, yeah. Because that's never what the show was about. Right, right. But um, And it's got at least one more season because it was renewed for two last year. Mm-hmm. The kids are like in their 20s now, right? <laughs> now, how much your mother started when Ted turned 27? Oh. Or 28. Okay. I think it was 28. But, um... But, like, the kids that he's talking to, that... that oh, those kids, yeah, sorry. they're probably in there. No, they use the same stock footage and basically have been for almost forever. <laughs> they only show them for, like, two seconds at the beginning of the occasional episode. It's oh, not man. like they're, they're a part of the show by any means. Right. Um, <laughs> it's probably the only way they can... And that's a show that's peaked, them. and, and I, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I think the season five may have been downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I, I can acknowledge that and still watch it. But Glee makes me fight for it um, because I remember what good show Glee was, and Glee can still do it. I think New York was a great episode, the season two finale. Um, hmm. Nothing this season's I've really loved so far, although we've only had what four episodes. Bye. Anyways, um, okay. <laughs> I've got to wrestle this back away from Glee. Um, <laughs> well, and I and I really didn't quite intend for the show to get to go this direction, but hey, it's bad philosophy; it happens, right? Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, I'll have whatever fallout I have from this. And, but but the, what it really comes down to is I'm doing what I want to do. And, and if, if anything, that's how YouTube started. It's about people going out there and just putting themselves out there and just dealing with the response or, you know, interacting and, and feeling out what the, uh, what the rest of the community thought about that. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And if it, if it doesn't work, as I say in the video, sometimes I just throw spaghetti at the wall and it doesn't stick. You know what? Maybe though? I'll it's go do something work. else. Like it's, it's gonna work. Okay. I, see. All right. So we've got one vote for and one against. <laughs> and and I, I can back this up. I can back this up. This is legitimate. Okay. Um. Last year in October, I did something called um, Vlogtober, mm-hmm. where I did a vlog a day, every mm. day, and I made it a point that every single person that commented on my videos, and I still do this. If somebody comments on one of my videos, I respond to them. Just every single comment. Every single comment. Mm -hmm. I respond to them. I make every single person in some way try to make them engaged. Uh I ask them questions. I talk to them. I tell them, even if it's just something as simple as, I like your video. I write back thank you to them. I appreciate your comment. I hope you come back and watch some more of my stuff. Mm. No. You know, I, I mean, I try and, and you have a total number of views of, of like 64,000, though, so it's feasible for you to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's true, it's true. Yeah. Um, even my most viewed videos have eight to 10,000. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's feasible for me. But in that little time, you know, I, I increased my subscriptions and comments you know, by 50 to 100%, you know, depending, well, depending on whether we're talking about subscribers or comments. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I generally started getting people engaged, and I really wasn't making, I felt like that engaging, I didn't, I wasn't making particularly engaging content. <laughs> <laughs> but you were but engaging was, with yeah. the audience when they did I was engaging engage. with the audience yeah. when they felt like talking to me. So, mm-hmm. I think definitely you're going to be getting people. Um the other thing is if 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 you get that small following that's very devoted they're going to share your content with other people and, and you're, I'm, and I'm you're cool going with to that. see a snowball effect yeah and and it, and the thing is like it's something that i can do on youtube that can potentially tie into bad philosophy as well mm-hmm. you know which is really like this this show is what i wish would have you know, really taken off. Um, but I, I again, I'm, I, I would like for us to have maybe one order of magnitude more viewers. <laughs> Not like three well, or four or five, fair, but like. I, I don't know how it has taken off. We've had 4.7 million people see the website. Well, I mean, you yeah, can't ask I for mean, better advertising than well, that. I don't think all 4.7 million views of my videos have actually gone to badphilosophy.com. Um, no, I'm sure they haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a few hundred I maybe actually, did. I actually know they haven't. I have, uh, the <laughs> you have the side stats. Yeah. 
Um, um, but that's cool. You know, would you, it's eventually going to be a thing. You know, that's what just gives us something to strive for. I, I don't really care anymore if it's yeah. going to be a thing. So Kevin's on his third beer, which means we should uh, we, we should be we close are, to done. We are in the form spree <laughs> or the form squeeze portion of the show. Um, I guess your mom just decided to leave. So no, uh, she her internet connection wasn't good. Yeah. She watches from Market Street. Because she tutors oh. there, that's her office. Right. And so if she doesn't have a student, she'll tutor. I mean, she may have had a student at 6 o'clock, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have really lousy Wi-Fi there. But she oh. tries to watch us anyway, because, mm-hmm. you know, she's my mom. Oh, she loves actually, me. She supports that's, me. That's cool. That's Stuff cool. like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know if she draws her internet connection or, or if she got a student show up. So uh, I guess before we roll into on. the form squeeze, let's highlight the uh, the beers uh, now that we're on that subject. So I'm drinking uh, Blue Moon Winter Abbey Ale, uh, which is a, a seasonal uh, collection for this time of the year. And uh, it's pretty good. It's got a nice crisp uh, taste to it, and it has a nice kind of spice uh, aftertaste. So sort of sort of wintry, you know, reminds, reminds you of Christmas. And it reminds us Jews of Hanukkah when we ended up eating all the Christmas stuff anyway. Because it was the only thing you could buy. <laughs> um, and Kevin is drinking... I'm drinking Miller High Life. Because I went to the grocery store and I said, Self, shouldn't you be living the high life? And I, and I said to myself <laughs> back, I said, you know, maybe I should. Mm. Also, it was, it was on sale. Oh, so. fantastic. So that six-pack was how much? Uh, no, actually, I bought a 24-pack. I just put the six in oh. the cooler because I didn't want to carry the whole thing. <laughs> Economy beer. Yeah, it was it was cheaper than PBR, which yep. is telling you something. It just goes to show you, even in a depression, you can still live the high life. Uh, so we're going to answer a couple of questions. It's from the, the champagne of beer. It's the sh- it's, that so. It, it's that's, well, that's been their logo, their uh, motto forever. It's whatever. the champagne of beer, and um, I think unlike um, PBR, it's oh no, it is union made. Never mind. I got excited for a minute. Mm. So, so uh, JC, I want to have you answer this first uh, form squeeze question. BF, a kid in school is rude to me and thinks it's funny, but it isn't funny at all. What should I do? Oh, wow. That sounds like something that they would teach about on Glee. <laughs> so, watch more Glee? Is that, is that your advice? <laughs> No, no, actually. <laughs> why not? Why, why wouldn't? I mean, no, we don't know. I have, how a better, old I have a better television show for them to watch. Oh, okay. Um, it, I think it's called Cyberbullying. Okay. There is, a, there, is, there is a television show that my roommate was watching the other day, and I think it's from ABC Family, and it, it's, it's about cyberbullying. And hmm. um, it's really interesting, but it, it, it refers to bullying in real life as well. It's actually a film. Uh, it's a film? Yes, it's an ABC Family film. Oh, see, that's what they should watch. The answer to everything is on television or in made-for-TV movies. <laughs> wow, that's profound. No, it's made in no. conjunction with I, Seventeen like, Magazine. If, if I was legitimately talking to a young person and giving them advice, I would say you need to confront them and let them know that they are being rude and you don't appreciate it. And if they continue to do it, then you tell a teacher. If they continue to do it, then... I'm sorry. Stab them. Don't stab them. Don't stab them. Stab them with love. Because Pull a Gandhi. Go on a hunger can, strike. Who can resist that? <laughs> um, Kevin, do you see anyone here that you want to answer? I, I want to answer this one. Somebody just posted, Ha ha, Descrates. I heard that it's Desecrates, but yeah. Yeah. Is Descrates a thing? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I maybe misspelled it somewhere. But I mean, that's that's not how you spell Descartes. So. Oh, is that what they were going for? I I, I get yeah. that now. Aha! Yeah. Aha! Descartes. Ha! Ha ha! Yeah. I just I don't know what to make of that. Um, so I'm I'm just gonna answer it ambiguously. Uh, yay, Descartes! Yep. Um, I don't. I don't. We should skip that one. Yeah, I'm not yeah, answering not that. Um, oh man, well, here's the form screen question of the day. What was your best subject at school, Kevin? Uh, for a long time, it was math. Okay. I was definitely a math guy. Um, and my math didn't... I mean, it depends on what we're saying as what time in school. I mean, I managed to make it through the calc series. By the end of it, I was pretty much struggling. Uh, um, when theater was an option as a class, I certainly excelled, and I was certainly passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a class where it was hard to do anything but make an A. Mm. So I don't know if that really counts as actually being my best class. 
So, uh, yeah, mine was definitely spelling, <laughs> which I took for five or six years, and uh, yeah, I ate that shiz. Yeah, so. and then you didn't just misspelled a word. Yeah, whatever. You got a little squiggly line. Yeah, whatever. That's Well, <laughs> shiz isn't actually a word. Um, so it's not spelled it, right. If I spelled it correctly, Formspring would probably censor me. JC? <laughs> oh, my best class? Yeah. Um. Slash subject. It's a hard one to answer. Again, with Kevin's mention of it depends on what time period we're discussing. Let's say high school. High school. I'm going to have to go with science. Science! Particularly <laughs> physics. Physics! All right. Physics! One of my favorite riffs from the Batman... Which the overall the, the oh, Batman exactly Forever is it was Batman Forever or is it yeah. Batman and Robin? It was, it was Batman, Batman and Robin. Robin. Batman yeah. and Robin. The riff tracks for it was not very good because it yeah. wasn't written by the riff tracks guys. <laughs> um, it was written by fans, and yeah. this is why fans shouldn't be doing things like that. <laughs> they are they are professionals for a reason. But one of my favorite bits yeah. in it was physics. Physics. Yeah. Um, and if you watch Batman and Robin with the riff tracks, you'll get you'll, the joke. You'll know. You'll know. And you'll laugh. I, as I can well. never. I can never think of the word physics without thinking of physics. This <laughs> Which says it's, a, it, it's done something very well. It's, it has branded itself upon you. Yeah, it has, definitely. Um, physics! Physics! <laughs> uh, I need to watch other riff tracks. Yeah. yeah. Are you, well, you need to, after you this? need to come to. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to a video game night with some friends. So, um, so I have to go watch riff tracks by myself. Yeah. But you need to do the next Master Pancake when it's in town. They, they See, did Halloween. I know. How it was, was it? It was so. Funny. Did you enjoy the film, though? It was. See, pretty. that's the problem. It's it's, no, I mean, and, and it's not. I, I have no problem with riffing. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I love riffing. I'll be honest with you. It's one of my favorite forms of art. I I, I would have. I, I don't think I would have enjoyed the film just on its own. Like I got it. I got the film from the first time. <laughs> and I saw like what you meant of it starting the thing, like the 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 you know him staring and then like cut away, look back, and he's gone. No, I mean, it's, like, it, it invented these tropes, yeah, I mean, in, in a yeah. way that that didn't really exist beforehand. Yeah, and, and looking inside of every door, and I can and understand one of them. And I can understand like, it's difficult to appreciate a film mm-hmm. that that was so um, influential. It's the Seinfeld is unfunny syndrome. Yeah. You watch Seinfeld, now it doesn't seem funny because you've heard those jokes repeated by tons of other people. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, well, that's not... No, it's, Seinfeld was hilarious. It invented this thing. Yeah. The observational format of, of the sitcom. The sitcom where nothing happens. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chinese restaurant, the, the studio almost didn't want them to, to air. <laughs> because it was 23 minutes of the Seinfeld gang waiting for a table in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, yeah. But tons of people have done that since then. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was revolutionary and exciting and different. And at the time, Halloween was an exciting, ref- you know, invention of the slasher genre. I'm sure it was, but it still makes it painful to see because I've seen so many movies that use those tropes. I know, so. but you have, to, you have to learn to be able to appreciate things in a historical context I, as well. And I, and I certainly did. And, and um, Yeah, because you laughed at it. Dang if, if What's-Her-Name didn't look just fetching in her first movie. But what, what was that, it? I don't uh, think it was her first movie. Um, uh, one of her first. It was one of her first. One of um, her first. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, she was the Scream Queen. That's what she did for a long time. Because she did a bunch of the Halloween movies, right? Like she two. did a few of them. She did yeah. two, I think. Maybe there was. She did two, and then she did Halloween H two O, like the twenty mm. years later. I don't think I've ever seen any other Halloween movies, the um, Michael Myers movies. Like yeah, skip three because it's not a Halloween movie. Okay, it doesn't exist. Mm. Um, let's see what her first role was on IMDb. Halloween may have been her first. It was certainly early. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she did some TV. Charlie's she was an episode on Columbo. That's wow. interesting. I need to go back and see if I can find that. I love Columbo. But I mean, this Halloween was, was her first film. Granted, I'll give her yeah, that. that was her first film. Yeah, uh, made her a star by all means. Because I think it said in introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, no, so. I mean she was fantastic in it. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite actresses, actually. I've really enjoyed her in various stuff. Mm-hmm. I think she's fantastic in True Lies, which is a film that's way underrated. Hmm. Okay, um, well, or just maybe not underrated, but not not often remembered. Okay. Um, I mean, a Schwarzenegger comedy before a Schwarzenegger comedy was a bad thing. <laughs> um, uh, uh, before he started doing the movies with, with the children. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a good film. 
Um, I watched it a couple. Anyways, weeks ago, we should probably wrap this up. JC, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was very last minute me texting you and saying, "Hey, do you want to get on here?" But you managed to make it. So I am very excited. I love any opportunity to talk about YouTube. Okay. Well, and and I'm probably. Topics. I, I might actually steal you and make you my, my personal YouTube consultant. So yeah. I really think you should have researched some of this stuff before you decided to do this. You know, wait, because did I, did I research the song signing stuff before I started? No, no, no but in this, in this way that you, you are, your naivete here makes you look bad. Yeah, whatever. Because it's, because you're basically jumping into it and and watching the video and knowing you and even liking you sometimes, mm -hmm. it sounds like you're coming in with this. Man, wouldn't it be really cool if I put up videos and people talk to them about <laughs> talk to me about them, I, and then everybody else who's in the community goes, uh, "Dude, it's, it's 2011. Yeah, We've been yeah, doing yeah, this I know. forever." I know, but I acknowledge <laughs> that. I'm like, all right, so I've not really participated in that, so I'm going to do this now. Like, but it's very you focused. It's not you yeah. coming into the community. It's the community. You want to build up a community around you. Yeah. Well, I already have a community around me, so. No, you have a bunch of fans. It's different. Okay. All right. Whatever. But we'll, we'll talk also about the watch difference. community. Yes. Oh my God! Such an amazing show. Anyways, uh, we thank y'all for, uh, for watching, those of y'all who did watch live and uh, listening, because the majority of you were listening to this episode. <laughs> um, the majority of you were always listening to this episode. Yeah, yeah pretty much. We, we still haven't crossed that barrier yet. Um, JC, where can people follow you on the, uh, on the interwebs? Well, uh, the easiest way would be Twitter. Uh, my handle is JC87, J-A-C-I-E-87. And uh, the other way is actually go to my YouTube channels. My main one that I just post vlogs and other random things about my life on is backslash JC87. Cool. Um, I also make funny stuff uh, every once in a while, not very often, on a channel called Ready, Set, Go, Go. Uh, Ready is spelled R-E-D-D-Y, and then Set, Go, Go. Spelled in the typical fashion. Spelled, spelled yes. in the normal way. Um, you can, of course, follow Kevin on twitter.com slash K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D. YouTube.com slash quest number four pi. Um, P-I. Well, it's funny because we were talking about this. I actually have two YouTube channels. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, quest for Pi is my personal channel. That's where I post uh, generally the things that I've made um, that I consider art. Mm -hmm. um, not all of them are. There's a video of me singing in the shower. Mm -hmm. Singing in a shower, I should say. Um, the proverbial platonic ideal shower. It is yeah. the shower. Yeah. Um, shower's not running, but I am singing in it because the acoustics were better and I can't sing. Right. Um, and But no, my other uh, YouTube channel, which hasn't been updated in a very long time, is youtube.com slash kevsond. Yeah. Which, where which was, the, uh, uh, that was the, the home of, and still is the home of, of Kevin Reviews Something Every Day. Yeah, which I think you should continue. I I'd mean, like to, um, but I love the, uh, the acronym of KRS-ED, and so if I'm not doing it every day, I feel really bad. My last video is about how I can't record a video because there's really loud noise oh. in my apartment. <laughs> April 12th, 2010, so yeah. over a year ago. Wow. Um, Oops. Well, whatever. It is, um, but it's it's an incredibly loud video because literally they were outside my apartment digging something, mm. and I really wanted to record something, but, but I couldn't. couldn't. Yeah. Well, of course, you can you can see all my videos, past and present, on youtube.com slash Captain Valor, uh, including the egotistical, world-changing latest video on there. Um, feel free to... call it world-changing kind of makes it clear it's egotistical exactly <laughs> exactly uh, no holds barred and uh, of course you can follow us as always at all as always on twitter.com slash bad philosophy you can watch us live every thursday at around 5 30 central time on livestream.com slash bad philosophy yes i'm gonna hold us to it eventually and uh of course ask us questions at forumspring.me slash bad philosophy hell we may even answer them on the show so uh, we hope you all all find your own community out there on YouTube or elsewhere. And we thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy.
Testing one, two, three. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad. <laughs> oh my god, that is. That was a burp. That was a. It's a strong burp. All right, Kevin, your sound check. Uh, testing, testing, one, two, three. Steven has a large head and will be brought down back to Earth when he realizes that this thing isn't going to be what he thinks it is. You know who I get compared to? Mm. Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> on more than one occasion, I at least half that. a dozen occasions, I have been—I've had a student go. You know, who you remind me of that guy from Pineapple Express, and that's what they say. It. They don't say Seth Rogen. They say that, that guy, guy from, from Pineapple, Pineapple Express. Express. And I know they don't mean James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. They don't. Uh, <laughs> Philosophy.com